Section ninety six of The Man Who Laughs by Victor Hugo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Man Who Laughs by Victor Hugo. Part two, book the eighth, chapter six. The High and the Low. All at once a bright light broke upon the house. Four doorkeepers brought and placed on each side of the throne four high candelabra filled with wax lights. The throne, thus illuminated, shone in a kind of purple light. It was empty but august. The presence of the queen herself could not have added much majesty to it. The usher of the black rod entered with his wand and announced, the Lord's Commissioners of Her Majesty. The hum of conversation immediately subsided. A clerk, in a wig and gown, appeared at the great door, holding a cushion worked with bleu-de-lis, on which lay parchment documents. These documents were bills. From each hung the bill, or bull, by a silken string, from which laws are called bills in England and bulls at Rome. Behind the clerk walked three men in peer's robes, and wearing plumed hats. These were the royal commissioners. The first was the Lord High Treasurer of England, Godolphin. The second, the Lord President of the Council, Pembroke. The third, the Lord of the Privy Seal, Newcastle. They walked one by one, according to precedence, not of their rank, but of their commission. Godolphin first, Newcastle last, although a duke. They reached the bench in front of the throne, to which they bowed, took off and replaced their hats, and sat down on the bench. The Lord Chancellor turned towards the usher of the black rod, and said, Order the commons to the bar of the house. The usher of the black rod retired. The clerk, who was one of the clerks of the House of Lords, placed on the table between the four wool sacks the cushion on which lay the bills. Then there came an interruption, which continued for some minutes. Two doorkeepers placed before the bar a stool with three steps. This stool was covered with crimson velvet on which fleur-de-lis were designed in gilt nails. The great door, which had been closed, was reopened, and a voice announced, The Faithful Commons of England. It was the usher of the black rod announcing the other half of Parliament. The lords put on their hats. The members of the House of Commons entered, preceded by their speaker, all with uncovered heads. They stopped at the bar. They were in their ordinary garb, for the most part dressed in black, and wearing swords. The speaker, the Right Honourable John Smith, an esquire, member of the borough of Andover, got up on the stool which was at the centre of the bar. The speaker of the Commons wore a robe of black satin, with large hanging sleeves, embroidered before and behind with Brandenburgs of gold, and a wig smaller than that of the Lord Chancellor. He was majestic, but inferior. The Commons, both Speaker and members, stood waiting with uncovered heads before the peers, who were seated, with their hats on. Amongst the members of Commons might have been remarked the Chief Justice of Chester, Joseph Jekyll, the Queen's three sergeants-at-law, Hooper, Powys, and Parker, James Montague, Solicitor-General, and the Attorney-General, Simon Harcourt. 
with the exception of a few baronets and knights and nine lords by courtesy hartington windsor woodstock mordaunt granby scudamore fitzharding hyde and berkeley sons of peers and heirs to peerages all were of the people a sort of gloomy and silent crowd when the noise made by the trampling of feet had ceased the crier of the black rod standing by the door exclaimed o ye the clerk of the crown arose he took unfolded and read the first of the documents on the cushion it was a message from the queen naming three commissioners to represent her in parliament with power to sanction the bills to wit here the clerk raised his voice sydney earl godolphin the clerk bowed to lord godolphin lord godolphin raised his hat the clerk continued thomas herbert earl of pembroke and montgomery the clerk bowed to lord pembroke lord pembroke touched his hat the clerk resumed john hulls duke of newcastle the duke of newcastle nodded the clerk of the crown resumed his seat the clerk of the parliaments arose his underclerk who had been on his knees behind him got up also both turned their faces to the throne and their backs to the commons there were five bills on the cushion these five bills voted by the commons and agreed by the lords awaited the royal sanction the clerk of the parliaments read the first bill it was a bill passed by the commons charging the country with the costs of the improvements made by the queen to her residence at hampton court amounting to a million sterling the reading over the clerk bowed low to the throne the under clerk bowed lower still then half turning his head towards the commons he said the queen accepts your bounty et ainsi le veut the clerk read the second bill it was a law condemning to imprisonment and fine whosoever withdrew himself from the service of the train bands the train bands were a militia recruited from the middle and lower classes serving gratis which in elizabeth's reign furnished on the approach of the armada one hundred and eighty-five thousand foot soldiers and forty thousand horse the two clerks made a fresh bow to the throne after which the under clerk again half turning his face to the commons said la reine le veut the third bill was for increasing the tithes and prebends of the bishopric of lichfield and coventry which was one of the richest in england for making an increased yearly allowance to the cathedral for augmenting the number of its canons and for increasing its deaneries and benefices to the benefit of our holy religion as the preamble set forth the fourth bill added to the budget fresh taxes one on marbled paper one on hackney coaches fixed at the number of eight hundred in london and taxed at a sum equal to fifty-two francs yearly each one on barristers attorneys and solicitors at forty-eight francs a year a head one on tanned skins notwithstanding said the preamble the complaints of the workers in leather one on soap notwithstanding the petitions of the city of exeter and of the whole of devonshire where great quantities of cloth and serge were manufactured one on wine at four shillings one on flour one on barley and hops and one renewing for four years the necessities of the state said the preamble requiring to be attended to before the remonstrances of commerce 
tonnage dues varying from six francs per ton for ships coming from the westward to eighteen francs on those coming from the eastward finally the bill declaring the sums already levied for the current year insufficient concluded by decreeing a poll tax on each subject throughout the kingdom of four shillings per head adding that a double tax would be levied on every one who did not take the fresh oath to government the fifth bill forbade the admission into the hospital of any sick person who on entering did not deposit a pound sterling to pay for his funeral in case of death these last three bills like the first two were one after the other sanctioned and made law by a bow to the throne and the four words pronounced by the under clerk la reine le veut spoken over his shoulder to the commons then the under clerk knelt down again before the fourth woolsack and the lord chancellor said soit fait comme il est désiré this terminated the royal sitting the speaker bent double before the chancellor descended from the stool backwards lifting up his robe behind him the members of the house of commons bowed to the ground and as the upper house resumed the business of the day heedless of all these marks of respect the commons departed end of section ninety six